want to welcome everybody to our special live preview for Iowa's first round NCAA tournament game on Thursday. I'm joined by always, um, or as always, by Coach Gary Close, the the man of the hour, Kenyon Murray, and we're awaiting Mr. Chris Kingsbury, who's expected to uh, be on here. And how fitting it is that Chris is having some technical difficulties. Would you agree with that, Gary? <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> we'll give Chris a, a hard time when he gets here. Uh, Kenyon, first of all, pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I know it's been a long time coming. We've been wanting to sit down and, and discuss what this season has been like for you and, and what this journey has been like for you. And certainly we can get to that. But uh, big game tomorrow, maybe just your initial thoughts on this past weekend and what a whirlwind it's been for this team. Yeah, it's been it's been wild. You know, we couldn't have dreamed this up any we couldn't have thought of it this way. I mean, it, it's just like we're still living in the dream, watching the confetti fall. And, you know, obviously it's really emotional when you have players on the team that are your kids. And uh, for Chris and Keegan to be such a big part of it. Um, yeah. I mean, Michelle and I, we have to pinch ourselves every day. Gary, what, how does it feel knowing that you were part of Kenyon's growing up and his journey in basketball and now seeing the next generation? What, how does that make you feel? Well, pretty proud, you know, and old. <laughs> you know, when you're when you're watching uh, players play that that uh, are sons of of guys you coached, it's amazing how fast time flies. But um, it's it's pretty neat. I mean, it's um, you know, it was, it was an honor to coach Kenyon. He was a terrific player at Iowa, and then to to see his kids play like they're playing is just uh, it's a uh, it's, it's been neat. And it's really been my first year back watching a lot of Iowa basketball. I have, I've been pretty much gone with my son there too. So in a lot of ways, this has been a kind of a rebirth and it's been, it's been a blast. And the team has been really fun to watch. It's uh, they've just gotten better and better as years going on as both individually, as well as a group. And what a blast. Kenyon, I have to ask you, um, and I know this has been, this question has been thrown at you probably a, a million times over the past few months, but what do you primarily attribute Keegan's astronomical growth this year to? Is, it, is there a specific moment in time? Is it, would you say, his ability to um, just learn from Luca and learn from you and just learn from everybody around him? What would you attribute it to? I think it's a couple things, honestly. I think, one, it's Chris. You know, I think having – Chris there to push him day in and day out. I mean, when they lost the game to Oregon, they came home and they were in the gym the next day. And and they really push each other. And I think Keegan spoke to it today is, you know, how much Chris has helped him uh, grow as a player because he's always there. He's always encouraged him. You know, last year, you know, there was a lot of people that thought, hey, you know, we need to be checking in on Chris. But he let us know he was okay. And he was Keegan's biggest supporter and, and biggest fan. And and I think that, that number one, that that – not even sibling rivalry, but that sibling push has been a big part of it. And then we all felt like his biggest jump wasn't going to be skill-wise or physical. It was going to be from the neck up. And I think he, one, had to take on the mantle of being the leader of this team uh, from a performance standpoint. You know, he's not very vocal, um, but he, he, he really locked in. And, I mean, he's been locked in from uh, the beginning of practice, you know, uh, this year. And so I think – his rise has been more about how he has approached every day mentally. And, and I'll take even that part of it goes back to coach West at DME at prep school, because that was the one thing he said about Chris and Keegan, that he felt they had the skill to play it, uh, 
at a high at a high major, but he felt like even coming into DME that they needed to understand what it meant to play at a high level every day, what it meant to be locked in and what it meant to lead. And so I think everything you're seeing now is just his maturity from the neck up as far as uh, him as a basketball player and as a leader. Before we, we get to talking about the tournament, Kenyon and Gary, both, um, I do want to ask you a specific question, Kenyon, about Fran, because, and I'm just going to give you some of the outside perception. I'm sure you've, you've heard this before, but, you know, Luca, such a jump for Luca Garza. I know he had, um, the growth on his side that kind of slowed his development at Iowa. And then when he finally got full strength, he, boy, he really emerged. And there was so much credit given to Frank Garza, and I think rightfully so. And I'm sure there's uh, – I, I think it's it's obvious that you deserve a lot of credit too. I'm sure you've been there training with Keegan through all of this. But can you talk a little bit about Fran? Because I think Fran is one of the more underrated – developers of talent and here at Iowa we always give Kirk Ferentz tons of credit and he, he does he works with two and three star guys and grooms them into NFL talent but Fran's doing the same thing can you talk about Fran's ability to develop I think Fran spoke to it after I think it might have been the Northwestern game maybe um it was one of the games when we when we played really well um and he was just talking about instilling the confidence in those guys to go out and do what they do right he he wants guys first of all Fran has built this team uh, into a family, right? I think he's, he, they're really selective, I believe, in the kind of character they bring into the program. And I know that they have gone away from some four and five stars just based on a character trait that really didn't vibe with the rest of the team. And so I think you have to give him credit, one, for being able to bring in good kids that like to be around each other. And I think that's what we're seeing is that this is a group of kids that really love each other. And they go to war with each other. But I think what he also does is he allows them the freedom. You know, there were times when I, you know, I mean, as a parent, you're always going to get frustrated, you know, that you feel your kids should be playing more, um, you know, last year and this year, you know. But the one thing that, you know, you can't deny is that um, he does give those guys freedom. I mean, you've seen the emergence of Tony Perkins over this last seven, eight games, um, you know, the change that he made there. Um, you know, Chris, obviously Chris has some things to get over as far as, you know, uh, moving on from play to play, but he instilled confidence. And, and Chris has said that, you know, Fran gives me the green light. So I think more than anything, uh, he brings the right people together. The kids that want to be in the gym want to work. So they're always pushing each other. And then he's given them the flexibility to, to be themselves on the floor. Um, but I think the one thing is it's a lot of like Tom, I got to ask Gary this question too. So Tom never had us mandatory have like conditioning. And I asked Tom about it one time and I was like, why do we have mandatory conditioning? Like we got to do this or do that. And Tom was really like, no, if you, if you want to work, if you want to, if you want to play, you're going to do the work. And I think that's what yeah. Fran does as well is, is uh, he puts guys around each other that are going to push each other. So it may not be in the actual drills and skills that he does his best work. It's just the group of people that he puts together and then the confidence that he instills in his players. Speaking of confidence. Hey, hey. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, I just took my wife's phone in my house to make it work, so we're good. Well, good we're, we're, just talking, we're just talking about confidence, and, and you're one of the more confident uh, shooters of all time at Iowa. Gary, can you talk a little bit before we, we uh, ask Chris a couple questions? Can you talk about what it was like to work with Chris? Oh, we see all this gray hair up here. Let's start. 
you know, when Kenyon talks about, um, you know, kids playing with confidence, Chris had it from the first time I ever saw him play. I mean, he just felt like he belonged with the top players in the country and uh, was tough and physical and didn't back down to anybody and, and like to put his game on the line. And as a coach, that's exactly what you want to see. And, um, you know, both these two guys are McDonald's All-American, which, you know, at Iowa is not something that happens all the time. And um, so it tells you the level of talent that both of them possessed, and, and uh, we were very fortunate to get both of them. Chris, what was it like to be coached by Gary? Well, Gary was the best. You know, I always tell people I, I really had no intention to go to Iowa, but from the time I was probably a freshman in high school in the summers, Gary and uh, Dan Dockett from Indiana, I see them everywhere. So, you know, in, in, in hindsight, I always joke that maybe I needed Bob Knight, but I think we all know that Bob and I couldn't have, wouldn't have worked real well together. So, <laughs> um, Coach Davis's uh, philosophy was a little bit better for me than than Bob Knight's maybe. But, but no, Gary was everywhere, and I'm like, you know what, I owe it to him just to take a visit. And when I got to Iowa City and Chris Street was my host and – uh, Kenyon and Russ and those guys were all there and it was just such a good, you know, probably similar to what Kenyon was talking about with this group now. You know, just a good group of guys that cared about each other, liked each other and, and wanted to compete. So it was a lot of fun. I mean, and Kenyon's a good example of how you could become a McDonald's All-American just by playing defense. Because, you know, <laughs> it wasn't the primetime league where Kenyon would shoot about 85% from three, then he just didn't shoot. And, and he'd probably tell you it's because I shot too much. But. <laughs> well, between you and, and Woolridge and Jess and Russ, I ain't have enough shots. <laughs> Me and you were on the wings in some horns offense where it's all point guards and post guys. We're just kind of out there, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I have to ask you, uh, Chris, we were just talking about Keegan and, and um, you know, Chris, it's Chris Murray, of course, um, as you're jumping on here. What has it been like to be able to see a former teammate of yours and, and his children now doing just unbelievable things at the University of Iowa? What's that? What's that like for you? I mean, besides making you feel old? Yeah, no kidding. No, it's been incredible. I mean, and even more so than what they've done is the jump. You know, I saw those guys in Lawrence, Kansas, before their senior year of high school, and you know they were on the B team of their summer team. Now they beat the A team, but at the game I was at. But and they were you could see all the all the skill sets you could see what you can see now you know they had some of those intangibles that it gets you D one but and I only saw a couple games that they played but I'm like you know you know they got a shot so then they go to prep school and come back and it's more what from that time period that I saw them until last year to this year that it's like holy cow I mean you talk about work ethic and and different things like that yeah so it's been a blast you know and I gotta say so I don't forget but. One of the coolest things after they won the Big Ten, you know, my son's a red shirt, so they announced everybody, and they were at commercial or something. I'm watching from home. They're at commercial, so then when they come back, they're up on the stage. So my little kids are always looking for Carter, you know, to find him up there. And, and he wasn't up there because they didn't announce it, but right when the camera came back on, you know, you got a first-team All-American and Keegan being the first guy hollering out to make sure Carter gets up on stage with him and stuff. So that kind of speaks character Kenny was talking about. And then the McCaffreys and Ash and all them follow suit. You know, they just win the Big Ten championship. He's arguably the best player in the country, a lottery pick, and he's worried about getting the red shirt walk on up on stage. So that was a pretty cool moment to me. But um, but no, I think 
Yeah, I echo too what Kenya said about Perkins. I mean, I think when Tony started getting comfortable offensively, the team kind of changed. I mean, Bohannon needed to be more aggressive from the beginning of the year, and he, he found that. You know, Connor McCaffrey can hit shots. It's like, holy cow, that's pretty awesome. But when Tony kind of separated himself and kind of said, you know what, I'm a defender, I'm strong, I can play in the Big Ten, and I can score confidently, they really took a big step. Because you knew what you were going to get from the Murrays. You know what you're getting from Phillip. I mean, he's going to pound and work his butt off. But when, when those guys kind of took that step, they've been awful fun to watch it really. Chris, what, is, uh, um, what, what does Carter say about this team specifically? He's having a blast. I mean, one of the first things that he was shocked about was how well Bohannon screamed. <laughs> well, there's a good lesson for you. You know, it's like I always joke here with, with my daughter's team, you know, you get some of the big-to-big screens and all that stuff. It's like, my gosh, you know, Stockton and Malone eliminated that like 20 years ago. you got to get the little guy to set the screen for the big guy and really cause problems. So, But it's the level that they play at and the level of um, the relationships that they have. I mean, it, you know, it's, you know, I, I can remember getting in fist fights with walk-ons, you know, so I was that jerk. But it sounds like these guys, it's funny how that comes full circle on my kids to walk on, but, you know, but it's funny how these guys just have this, this love and appreciation and respect for each and every one of them. And, and he's, he's loving every minute of it. Chris, I have to admit this. I'm almost too young to really remember you in an Iowa Jersey other than watching you on tape. There seems to be this mystique about you. So maybe I shouldn't even ask Chris this question. Maybe it should be for Kenyon or Gary. Why does Chris carry this mystique? And me, as somebody who never really watched him play, feels like he's just like this mystery man. Do you, you get the you get the aura that I'm trying to right here? <laughs> I, I don't know. Gary, Gary can speak to that a little bit. I, I, but I'll tell you, you know, um, you know, I think Chris, you know, even though people know you know, everything about him, you know, he was not braggadocious, but, you know, he was a gunslinger. I mean, he, he let it fly. There were times when it crossed half court and I was probably turning the other way because I knew he was going to shoot it. But, you know, he, the one thing he was fearless, right? He, he, he was very confident in himself. And I think people really like that about him, but Chris has always been a really private person too. You know, I think everybody's wondering like, you know, what's Chris doing? I can't tell you, Chris, how many people have asked me, where are you at? What are you doing? And I've had probably like half a dozen people ask me if I can get you on an interview. And I'm just like, nope, not going to happen. I mean, you know, he he likes his privacy. Um, he's, I mean, he and I got along great. Um, we had some fun times. But, you know, Chris is, is a family guy, you know, and he's he's really been locked into his kids. And the one thing, too, is I love that he's really never pushed it on him. Right. I mean, he's just been a dad and he loves being a dad. And, you know, a lot of guys have trouble leaving that basketball or athletic world and i think chris did a good job of just kind of transitioning and and um you know walking into the sunset i mean a lot of records you know that have just now been broken i mean this kid was he was fun i mean i ain't gonna lie there were times where i wanted to choke him but (laughs) for the most part for the most part we were we were all hugs and kisses so Uh, final question before we, we start talking some basketball here, Chris. Um, Tony says, appreciate the super chat from Tony. He says, who has more confidence and or range, Chris or Jordan Bohannon? And I'm sure you've never gotten this question before. <laughs> but go ahead and give us your best answer again. So, probably the same. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, he's awfully confident. He, uh, I mean, he shoots more off the dribble. You know, so we're totally different players. He, he's getting a lot of 
little off the dribble bank shot to get it to the Big Ten title. But I, I did a lot more coming off either just sprinting the left wing or coming off down screens and kind of motioning in the air and stuff like that. So we're different, but but all shooters are like that. I mean, if shooters get it, I mean, ask Keegan. You know, Keegan hit the, the second. I think it was the semifinal game. The second big three hit. I mean, that's like a, that's not a normal shot. Like the shot fake kind of move to the side and shoot it. That's that's a confidence type shot. Um, I was a higher volume shooter. I, I didn't have the rest of the game, but um, but I don't think it was any different. You know, I, I always joke with people when I've done interviews about everybody knows the three point records. Everybody knows all these things. But one of my favorite records that I held for until this year was. I had the most points scored in a sophomore season. So I remember about five games into this year thinking, my 555. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Jordan and I are probably a lot alike in some ways. You know, I, I didn't get to kiss half court at, at the Hilton and leave my shoes and then come back for another year. But uh, we're probably pretty similar in our confidence in the way we play. <laughs> Gary, do you have some thoughts on the similarities between Jordan and Chris? I think there are some. I think uh, in all great shooters, they they think the next one's going in, and they're not afraid to let it rip. And as a coach, that's exactly what you want. And I give Fran a lot of credit. He he just sticks with guys, even when they go through uh, slumps, which every shooter is going to go through. I mean, it's just that's just inevitable. And Tom did the same thing, and uh, that's how you build confidence in shooters. They both have put in incredible amounts of time to become become great shooters. And so with that with that effort, you know, that's where your confidence grows. And and uh, th- as a coach, that's what you want. You want want people to take big shots, not afraid to take big shots. And even if even if the one before it didn't go in. So um, I think there's a lot of similarities in that and that uh, they got supreme confidence and and they put in the time. And Kurt does ask, does Chris ever rewatch the Kingsbury game on YouTube? What's the Kingsbury game? You ever go on what you ever watch the Kingsbury game on YouTube? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've shown my kids that. That's the only thing you can find. It's like we played in the 60s or something. You can't find anything. Not that. I gotta go find a VHS tape somewhere and a, go rent a rent a VHS player from the grocery store or something. I don't even know how to. I might, I might be able to help you out. It'll be nice. I mean, my kids are like, yeah, you were good in that game, but gee whiz. <laughs> I have to ask you, Kenyon, kind of transitioning a bit. Obviously, we're talking about three-point shooting and range. Um, earlier in the year, I heard a narrative, and this is certainly going to play big dividends, I think, during this upcoming tournament. But there was this narrative out there that, that Keegan was really not that great of a, a shooter from behind the arc. And, I mean, I know you heard this and, and he heard this. And this is just one stat line. This is from the uh, Indiana game. And it was such a it, – it's, it's almost – humorous because we walked away from that game and and as fans at home you're watching and you're seeing Jordan Bohannon hit a huge tough three and kind of do what he does as an Iowa Hawkeye but Keegan has a quiet 32 and a quiet eight threes and I just remember when Jordan Bohannon hit 10 threes at Maryland earlier this year we were doing cartwheels and like nobody was talking about Keegan going eight for 10 he had a game I think where he went four of four and then I think he had a game recently where he went three of three can you explain that? Because he has, he, he seems to have really elevated his confidence from behind the arc throughout the year. Have you know, I mean, is that, 
Has that that's, been something you've seen even behind the scenes preseason? That's all he could do when he was growing up was shoot threes. He couldn't <laughs> get to the rim. He didn't post up. He didn't play defense. Uh, my wife and I escorted him out of the gym on a couple of times because he would get all in his head. And, you know, so so the Keegan you see now is uh, just I mean, he's just morphed into this. You know, he's he's become obviously. Uh, he, you know, his demeanor is at, at a point where, you know, we always, my wife always says, you need to respect the game. And that's what it was, you know, when he would miss a shot or, you know, when he'd get down on himself or he'd take a bad shot, you know, he, he, we tried to train him like you have to keep your emotions under control. So you're seeing that's a process that's been going on for years. But Keegan Murray has always been a three point shooter. Um, he was a better shooter than Chris coming out of, uh, you know, coming out of high school. Um, obviously, Chris has really refined his form now, but, you know, everything that Keegan's doing now, we saw in high school. And I think one of the things that he struggled with was he grew two inches. His arms grew three inches. I mean, he went from six, seven to six, nine in two years. He put on 40 pounds from, since the time he graduated in Prairie in 2019. Um, you know, there's body changes. And so the one thing that he, we've tried to do is really tighten up his form and that's what you're starting to see now i mean it is a confidence thing but it's also his body has changed so much his and chris's has changed so much in the last two years that that's been a process for them both is just feeling confident in in who they are now physically and then just kind of putting it all together so we knew that the three-point percentage would come up just because his foundation was so good but i mean my kid i mean literally keegan was shooting jump shots six feet across the room when he was 12 months old so, I mean, it's always been something that he's done. So um, we knew it would come. We're not surprised. I mean, the, the, like I said, the level that he's playing at is, is more, I feel, above the neck. Uh, but, yeah, he's just, he's just kind of putting it all together, and we're seeing him do stuff that he did in high school. So um, I, I, I'm surprised, too, that, that he's playing at the level. I knew he was ready, but um, I couldn't have, you know, seen this coming. And, uh, yeah, so it, he – I mean, I'm in awe, too, a lot of the times when I watch him play. Gary, he's got a beautiful stroke, does he not? I mean, him and Chris both have a great looking yeah. shot, and it's very consistent. You know, there's not there's not a lot of wasted motion, and it's it's shot the same way, you know, pretty much every single time. And that's how you become a real good shooter. And if you're you're shooting the ball differently, um, you know, different release points or whatever, uh, you know, then you're going to get you're going to have more inconsistency. It's it's very compact and. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning, you know, to be first team All-American as a sophomore is, you know, there's what, f almost 400 programs in this country and there's 13 scholarship players on each team. There's 5,000 kids and he's one of five. That's a first team All-American as a sophomore is, I don't know if people totally grasp what exactly he's done. I mean, that is, that's unbelievable. And for the program to have two in a row back to back, is speaks volumes of the staff and the type of kids they get. And then to have a, a, a male and a female in the same year, I mean, it's just, I hope the Iowa fans are appreciating what they're seeing. This is not something's going to happen all the time. This is really, really impressive. So as a guy that coached there for a little bit, I, you know, I, I look back with a lot of pride and uh, I, I think Iowa fans probably feel the same way. This is, this is, this is uncharted territory that uh, that we should appreciate very much. And I do want to transition to this game tomorrow because that's kind of the purpose of us coming on this evening. But I I, I love the banter with with Kenyon and Chris and Coach. 
but a big game tomorrow. Um, and uh, some would say this is what the season's all about. I think sometimes, at least me as a fan, I look at the NCAA tournament. I think people make too much of the tournament and downplay the conference tournament and the, the regular season. But this is the big dance. This is what you, you play for. What do you see in Richmond, Gary? I mean, I know they, they run the Princeton offense. Um, perhaps you can explain to some of our listeners and to me what what's different about that Princeton offense. I've heard some comparisons to Northwestern this week. Um, can you kind of explain what it's going to be like for for Iowa trying to defend that tomorrow? Yeah, I you know I haven't watched Richmond play a lot, and the Princeton offense has, has evolved um, you know through the years. But uh, it's a very patterned offense, and it preys on um, uh, teams that aren't that aren't working together and fall asleep and you, you, uh, you know, get beat on back doors, uh, you get beat on back cuts, things like that. And so you've got to be disciplined. You got to be working as a group. Uh, you got to try to keep your guy in front of you and not let him get behind you. Um, they, they run it so well and, and it's almost an impossible offense to have a scout team try to duplicate in a short period of time. So that makes it difficult, but, um, it'll be a challenge. Um, it's, uh, you know, you've, you've heard, at times where Princeton has won some games, the NCAA tournament because of that offense. So I'm curious myself to see, um, you know, how, how Iowa attacks it, but you've, you've got to be disciplined. Um, you can't be ball watching. Uh, your guy's going to back cut and he's going to get a layup before you can count to two. It's a, it's a real precision patterned offense. That's that can be really tough to guard, but hopefully Iowa's length uh, and physicality will, will, will cause them some problems and, and I like to think it will. Kenyon, what are your what are your thoughts on the matchup? Uh, no, I think you know Gary's correct in that you know everybody's got to be connected, and I think Connor McCaffrey and Chris Murray will probably be two of the guys that'll be very instrumental on the defensive end. You know, Connor does a great job of being able to uh, orchestrate the defense, whether they're in zone or man. Uh, I was just talking to Margaret in the lobby about how important he is to this team because he's such a great quarterback and. I said, you know, he'll be sitting on the bench someday. And she said, uh, don't curse me with that. So, but, but, but Connor is, is great at that. And I think uh, Chris will be pivotal, not only on the defensive end, but the offensive end, because he'll play the five. Um, their, their center's not used to coming out and guarding. So I think, you know, he'll create some mismatches on that side. But I think, you know, he, uh, Connor, Keegan, um, you know, Joe T, and I think Aaron Eulis too, because, and Tony, uh, Aaron and Tony, I think will be huge because their guards aren't very big. I know they list Gilliard at sit five nine, and you know everybody's telling me he's closer to five six. So um, I think our guards are are going to really be able to disrupt them. But like Coach said, it's it's all in how connected we are and how we're communicating on the defensive end. We do have a call here. Uh, I'm going to keep the calls to one question, then I'm going to cut you off. So not to be rude, but we're limited on time this evening. But let's go ahead and get to our call. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Hello, Corey and everybody. It's the real MVP. How are you, sir? Good. I was just going to ask one question. Um, is there, how does it feel that there's a dish, uh, in my opinion, additional pressure because a lot of people are choosing Iowa to make the final four this year? Great question. Great question. Thanks for the call. Uh, Kenyon, that's probably a good question for you as someone who's directly connected to the team. There are a lot of pundits. I mean, I, I mean, these kids, your sons and this team is not ignorant to, the hype. Um, I, I can't even count on one hand the number of pretty significant pundits out there, if you want to call them that. Experts, former players, analysts, writers who are pegging Iowa as a darling. 
and a potential Final Four team. How do, how do they how are they handling that hype? Well, I don't think uh, Keegan, Murray, Connor, or Jabo are going to allow this team to look past Richmond. That's just not how they're wired. You know, I mean, based on everything that they've done this year, nobody thought that they would finish. What I think ninth was the highest anybody picked them, and Fran has been able to push the right buttons. But I think you've got three guys there that won't allow this team to be complacent. Um, you know, we briefly saw the boys today, and I think Keegan might have said five words the whole time <laughs> he was in the room. So, so they are locked in. I don't, I don't think complacency is going to be something that uh, fans have to worry about. Chris, I got to ask you, uh, how did you deal with, with? pressure games if you want to call them that i mean did you i know social media really wasn't a thing back then but the outside noise how do you deal with that i guess probably more so through the newspapers back in the 90s well yeah i mean it would have been disastrous if they had social media back then but um i can't imagine what these guys go through um no i mean you know as far as the pressure i mean that's what big time players are looking for you know so it's not going to matter whether they pick them to lose in the Sweet 16 or go to the Final Four. Like Kenya said, they just got to play one game. And I think, you know, fortunately, or however you want to look at it, you know, they just beat Indiana and Purdue in Indianapolis. So that kind of tells you that they're able to take on that pressure. I mean, that's just as much pressure. They already knew they were in the tournament. So now they're going to get a chance to get by this first game and play Providence in Buffalo. Well, you're going to get the same sort of thing. But good players play better in those environments. That's not – that's not going to bother them. And well-motivated teams that are that play consistently the same way throughout the year don't need the crowd to get them playing hard. I mean, they're, they're going to play hard because that's who they are. So while there's certainly truth to crowds and home court advantages, you know, I already had more of my biggest games on the road when I played in college. It's just so much fun to do that. But, you know, the other thing to, to keep in mind with this team is, you know, don't – and nobody is, but it's like we're really hard to guard. I mean, so, you know, sit down against Richmond – keep your keys, stay focused and play defense, but how in the world are they going to guard it? I mean, how are they going to stop what we have? You know, and Fran runs some nasty stuff. I mean, he runs some screen, restream, flare action stuff that is, it is really good. And there's very few teams, every coach knows that, but there's very few teams that can get five guys running it the way they run it. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun. We do have another caller on here. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's in line? Lomansky, Corey. Lomansky, how are you? Good. Mr. Murray, Mr. King Perry, you are remembered, even if you can't find yourself on eight track tapes. <laughs> uh, and I sincerely want you to know that you're dearly loved and remembered. And I'd like you to take uh, this with you when you go to bed at night is that the coaches that come to Iowa come to Iowa because of the tradition. And each of you tonight has built that tradition. And that's a fact. My government teacher was Dennis Rungi, who played with Don Nelson, coach of the Golden State Warriors. Back then, four people were academically ineligible. Dennis Rungi had to start with Don Nelson. And Fran continually talks about the tradition of Iowa when he came there. And I guess I got a question for Kenyon, because I remember both of you playing, but I got one question. I'll hang up. How do your boys remind you of yourself? That has to be... um, that has to be just a blast watching them and comparing their game to your game. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, Lomansky. Oh, man. Um, I think defensively, they, they, you know, I think Chris reminds me of me on the defensive end because he can guard multiple positions. And, and obviously, I had to do that. 
depending on what defense we were playing um, for Coach Davis. And then, you know, Keegan uh, reminds me of me on the anticipation, like being able to jet out into the wings, use his length. You know, he's really great at reading, you know, especially those cross-court passes and getting in there. Um, but other than that, <laughs> that's about it because they're 6'9", 225. They can shoot the basketball. Um, you know, there are a couple plays that, that uh, I've pulled out that, that are very similar to each other, but, <laughs> but literally that's about the only uh, comparisons I see. I think I always said uh, the, the goal is for your kids to be better than you. And so the things that I wasn't very good at, I made it a point to coach my boys on those kind of things. And for me, I had to learn how to become a shooting coach. You know, I, I wasn't talented, uh, naturally talented as a shooter like Chris. Um, and so I had to learn kind of how to teach my boys. And they're both left-handed. Everybody thinks they're left and right-handed. So they're both left-handed, I and which I am. And I wanted them both to shoot right-handed like I did. But Chris is so stubborn uh, <laughs> that he, <laughs> he, he didn't switch. Keegan did, and he took to it. And Chris was just like, no. So um, that's still kind of their traits now. But those are really the only similarities that I see in there on the defensive end. I didn't want to ignore this comment from Doug, and thank you for the super chat, Doug. This is more directed at Chris. He brings up the 1995 Great Alaska shootout. What do you remember about that event, uh, Chris? I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Can you hear us, Chris? Chris is having some problems. <laughs> Here's what I remember, because I know that we played against UConn and they had uh, Ray Allen. And I know I got a little bit of the defensive on there, but Chris was unreal. I mean, that second half he had, I think he ended up with 32 points. And I mean, it was a it was a there was one shot. I think maybe he took one step. It was right by the hash mark right in front of Coach Davis. And he let that thing fly. And I know everybody was like, what in the world? And it was all bottoms. But he was he was unreal. You know, I think they were I know they were top five in the country. And, uh, you know, we we took it to him. Uh, we went in overtime and, and he was unreal. Like, I think that, those are just those games like when when he would get into a zone and you just you just knew it. Um, I know he had nine threes against Drake. There was a game there. I think there's another game at Michigan State. And when Chris got into the flow. I mean, he was, he was, it was ridiculous, but the one thing he never speaks to Gary, and I know, you know, this is how great an athlete he was. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was, he was rock solid. I mean, he looked yeah. like he should have been a bodybuilder. He could jump, he could pass, he could handle the ball. Everybody knows him as a shooter, but we saw him do things in practice just from an athletic standpoint that nobody else did. Yeah. And he never speaks of it uh, because people didn't see it, but man, he was just an all around great athlete. Yeah. And he was from a very young age. He was a heavily recruited uh, player. I mean, he, out of Hamilton, Ohio, which is just outside of Cincinnati, he had everybody after him, Kentucky, Indiana. Uh, he was built strong right from the get go. Um, he could shoot the ball. Kenny, I'll tell you, inside the half court line. And it was not a heave. I mean, it was a natural. It looked like he was just taking a free throw. And it was literally from half court. I mean, and that's why Coach Davis let him do it. It wasn't it wasn't out of the ordinary for him to make those shots because he, his form didn't really waver because he was so strong, um, strong forearms, strong wrists, um, and a fierce competitor. I mean, he, he, he would get after it. There, there's no question about it. And so, um, yeah, there were some amazing performances just left me shaking your head. And it was way before the time when people shot the ball, people didn't even shoot a lot of threes back then. 
much less eight feet behind the three-point line. And so it was like the crowd would go, whoa, and then it would go in. And, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, we were kind of ahead of, of the time, us in yeah. Kentucky. Like we were two teams that really shot the three yeah. back then. Way before the time. Because you go back and look at some of those old films and you're wondering, they're not even shooting threes. Um, it's Even in the NBA, they weren't shooting threes. It was It's only been in the last 15 years or so, 20, that it's really, really taken off. So, yeah, for sure. I want to finish with this uh, before we wrap this show up. I want to finish with this comment from Randy. And I'm sure you both will agree with this statement. He says, I know Coach Davis, Dr. Tom Davis, is a humble person, doesn't want to distract from the program, but does he know how much he is loved by Hawkeye fans? Oh, I think so for sure. Yeah. And that's just the way he's been, uh, you know, his entire career at every stop he's made. It's It's been all about the players and and their families. And that's why he was so much fun to play for and coach with. So perfect fit for Iowa and what, you know, Iowa expects out of their head coach. And I'll, and I'll say this, you know, when coach, you know, uh, people don't know that, that Sherry Davis was a very, very talented artist. And mm. she had, there was a gallery in, in Iowa City that was showcasing some of her work. And I remember talking to coach about that. And, you know, there it was kind of opening night. And I asked him if he was going to go. And, and he said that he was, he was going to wait to go because he, he wanted this night to be about Sherry. Because for his entire career, she had been there supporting him. And he wanted her to have her moment. And I think that that in itself speaks to the kind of person that he is, um, that it was never about him. It's never been about him. Um, and I think, you know, he displayed that so much in, in, in that gesture to his wife so that she could be in the spotlight. Um, I just yeah, I mean, I, I love playing for Coach Davis and, um, you know, he yeah, he was the best. Yeah, no doubt. And what, what, yeah, just what a, um, we, we always talk, we, we think on the football front of Hayden Fry and, and the coaching tree. And I mean, Dr. Tom had quite, a, I mean, you had, you went on to have some pretty decent success yourself, Gary. So, uh, and I'm sure you would, uh, uh, how much, as far as what we never really asked you this question, but what did you personally learn about coaching from, from Tom Davis in your years there? Oh, my goodness. I mean, it, we don't have enough time to go through everything. But I think, as Kenyon says, just treating people, the way you want to be treated, whether it's the star player or the custodian. I mean, he just, that's the way he treated everybody. Just, uh, it was just one big family and everybody was important in what they were doing. And, and uh, it was all about everybody else and not him. And, and uh, I mean, I could go on and on about the basketball end of it and the strategy and the X's and O's and teaching. And I mean, he was a phenomenal teacher um, as good as there's ever been in the, in the profession, but you know, it even goes beyond that in terms of the type of gentleman he was and person. And we were lucky to spend some time with him for sure. Bonnie says, who wins a three-point contest between Kenyon, Keegan, and Chris? Uh, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You think Chris. Keegan would agree with that? Oh, no. no. <laughs> they, 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 don't, they don't agree on much. That's uh, the way it should be, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's it's yeah. Anything, yeah. If if you ask one, he'll say him. If you ask the other one, he'll say him. But I, I think, um, yeah, I'll give it to Chris. That's the way it should be. Um, okay, so again, I know we got an NCAA tournament actually game going on, just getting underway right now. Over, I think, is it True TV, Rutgers and uh, Notre Dame. So we're going to end on that. But I I want to just get your two uh, individuals' perspective on this. How far does Iowa get in this tournament? I mean, I know. The, the hype is real. 
Uh, Iowa's red hot right now, but Gary, does this team, first of all, do they advance to the, the Sweet 16, yes or no? Yeah, I think they do. Uh, I think they, uh, I think they're on a roll. I think they're playing with a lot of confidence. Um, I think, um, I think Providence could get upset uh, in their first game. Although they could beat Providence if they, if they were to advance. Um, yeah, I, 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 I expect them to see them in the Sweet Sixteen. It better be because I want to go to Chicago. So <laughs> they better get these next two. <laughs> they get to the Elite Eight, Gary. I think they can get the lead. I think that I think they had a chance to go all the way. Uh, now it may not happen. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good teams in their bracket. There's a lot of good teams around, but uh, there's no team in the country playing any better than this team is right now. Uh, and sometimes it's you know, lucky break or a bad break, and you're out. But uh, they're playing with a lot of confidence, and um, that's how you want to. That's how you want to be playing going into a tournament like this. So they got a chance to go a long way. Kenyon, your thoughts on the on the draw? Yeah, I think so too. I think you know someone made a, a good point the other day that you know in our in our bracket there's or in our draw there's not those teams that have two and three like really big guys like Purdue. And I think right. to Chris's point, you know we become really tough to guard, especially if we're hitting outside shots and we're getting into transition. So I think the defense is what helped us win the Big Ten tournament. I think that's going to be yeah. a staple. And I think because of that. Um, I'd like us getting to the to the Sweet 16, and obviously, if, if things hold true, you, you may see Kansas. So then you got a couple All Americans going up against each other. But um, but yeah, I think this team does have a chance to to get to the Sweet 16 and beyond. Um, but I really feel like it's going to be based on the the defense that they play uh, starting tomorrow. I agree totally. Couldn't agree more. And I'll just say this one one kind of a dark horse. I think Philip Robrach is going to start playing really well. Not that he hasn't been, but I think he's just been so, I don't want to say overwhelmed, because that's not fair to him, but the best big men are in the Big Ten. I think we can agree on that. Collectively, the best big men are in this conference, and you just alluded to that, Kenyon. You don't have a lot of big men, specifically in Iowa's drawer, in the field in general. I think Philip Robrach is going to become, he's kind of been the unsung hero in this starting lineup. I think he's going to have a big tournament. Gentlemen, appreciate the time as always. Want to remind everybody who's listening tonight um, that uh, if you've not already done so, fill out your bracket. Be part of uh, From the Hawkeye of the Storm's bracket challenge. There's a link in the, I don't know why it says bio. Link in the description, not bio, <laughs> not Instagram. <laughs> link in the description, folks, um, to compete in our bracket challenge. Coach Don Patterson's a part of the bracket challenge. Mark Rogers is a part of the bracket challenge. I'm trying to get Gary Close to be a part of the bracket challenge, but he I don't think Gary wants to be wrong. I don't think he wants to be proven wrong. Well, I'm, 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 un, I'm undefeated right now, so maybe you're right. <laughs> I'm the only one that picked us to win the Big Ten tournament, Keegan or Kenyon. Everybody else. For the record, Kenyon, go back on my Wednesday show. I I had Iowa and Purdue in the finals, and you can go back yes. on my Wednesday show. I went 11 and two overall. Gary just kept saying, "Well, we're going to win it all. We're going to win it all." I didn't hear any other selections from you, Gary, the whole week. All that matters is who wins it all. We don't care about all the stuff leading up to it. That's just fluff. So I think what you're saying is I I was going to win it all in this tournament. You have a piece of that net, Daniel? What's that? You have a little piece of that net? Uh, No, I didn't. I think my wife did, though. So that's who who it should have went to. If anybody got any, she did. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, enjoy it. All right, guys. We will talk to everybody tomorrow. Again, Iowa, Richmond at uh, 210, 210 p.m. Central Time on True TV, followed by uh, Iowa Post Game right here with Coach Gary Close. Everyone have a good night and enjoy the Hawks tomorrow.